This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Much like the circular unleavened flatbread that goes by the same name and is a staple of Mexican cuisine, that's a wrap. Or at least for the Premier League it is, as City finish up as champions yet again while wrapping up a historic freepeat in the process. We'll be taking a look back at some of the highs and lows from another memorable Premier League campaign while also making this a... (laughs) while also making a fool of ourselves by trying to predict what next season might look like too. It's Tuesday the 30th of May. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Ollie McCool. And this is the City Report Podcast. Where is going from there? Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. It's fair to say City love themselves a bargain and there's been no better than Julian Alvarez in recent years. £15 million, what a steal. But if you fancy grabbing yourself an Alvarez-style bargain, then head over to Discount Dragon. With an array of food and drink products to choose from, you, the listener, can shop for the best high street bargains straight from the comfort of your own home. Discount Dragon is the place to find all of the best brands at better value, and new customers can even get an extra £5 off all orders. UK only, terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Adam, do you like Mexican cuisine? Do you like wraps? Did you like that introduction, more importantly? I did. I also liked the four or five attempts that our listeners won't get to hear because <laughs> I'll edit them all out. Um, I do like Mexican cuisine. As as an American, we have great Mexican cuisine here. Mm. Um, you may remember you, me, and my dad going to get some Mexican cuisine, if you can call it that, in uh, in the northern quarter. It was hardly, hardly Mexican cuisine. Um, mm. But uh, I do like it. I don't know if you like it because I would imagine you've maybe never had it. 
the establishment, let's um, I'm not even going to call them out. It's a lovely place, but it it, fr- it frightened me a little bit because I always knew this gaffer somewhere, which was um, it did exceptional breakfast. And by the name, I'll, I'll say it out loud, Coffee Pot. You'd assume it probably wasn't known or renowned for its uh, Mexican. Is that where we went? Yeah, Coffee Pot, um, just near Oldham Street. I was most insulted by the fact that we had an American waitress and she felt comfortable (laughs) serving other Americans that quote-unquote Mexican food. Yeah, but wasn't she from Philadelphia? And you've told me a number of times that Philadelphia isn't your favorite place. Uh, No, neither are the people from there. <laughs> Anybody from Philadelphia, I've I have no grudges at all. You're welcome here. You're just going in Adam's black book. Um, Ollie, I've never really had proper Mexican food. I feel like it with with the diaspora of um America, obviously, you know, Latin America, you get a lot of Mexican immigrants in the USA. In our in our cuisine, it is more sort of, you know, Chinese, um, Indian, stuff like that. I think that's probably where the, the co- crossover goes. Have you have you had any proper mexican food it's not something that really gets me going um i mean before adam's little rant there i would have said yes i have but clearly i haven't um <laughs> but you know you know what we call mexican food i don't mind it uh it's kind of, it's more kind of up my street you know s- bit of spice you know kind of barbecue mm. meat steak all that sort of thing that's it's kind of my thing but you know according to adam i haven't had proper mexican food and he's <laughs> and he's and to be fair he's probably right I would imagine that your version of Mexican food is just chips, right? I mean, that's what it is <laughs> like, for like, Chinese, right? It's like just our, our version of every other food. Chips basically. and some brown sauce that you can just change the origin of. Look, I, no hate on potatoes. Potatoes are by far the best vegetable out there. Um, in fact, probably in the off-season, we could do a full episode on potatoes because I've got some quite firm opinions on my favourite types of potatoes and, and their sort of the styles. But we'll we'll leave that in But enough about Wayne Rooney. Let's talk about the Premier League season. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so today, if you haven't already, sorry, go back and listen to yesterday's episode where Ollie Kirsch and Andrew... I'm hesitant to say reviewed the Brentford game because even though I was there, there wasn't really much to speak about from my end. So I don't know what it was like for anyone watching at home. But they talked about it in a small amount of detail, but sort of broadly wrapped on the Premier League season, did a few, um, handed out a few awards for best player, best young player, biggest flop, etc. We're going to go into more detail today before we officially sat on the klaxon for sort of switching over to FA Cup and Champions League duty. So um, let's start at the London Stadium on the first game of the season, Oli. Manchester City went there, obviously having lost the Community Shield against a, a, a resurgent, what people were saying, resurgent Liverpool from there, sort of obviously previously having come close to doing the quadruple in 2021-22. Lost that game, Harlan misses an open net, but it's the first time we get to see that sort of mythical creature in sort of a, a, a decent enough fitness level because in the community shield he just looked like speaking of potatoes he looked like one um but then obviously west ham two goals did you expect from that moment on when he sort of especially that second goal where he slipped in behind by kevin de bruyne and, and finished his first time in sort of like it's almost like we city fans had never seen a striker finish a 1v1 before having had to endure the likes of Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, etc. in those positions. Did you expect him to go on and have the season he did? Were you sort of very much in the camp that, yeah, he'll score 50 goals in his first season? Or has even that been somewhat of a surprise? Um, as soon as I saw his manic smile when he missed his final chance in the Community <laughs> Shield, I just knew this guy was going to go on and do just 
unreal things and complete all of my wildest dreams. I can't remember exactly what I put. I don't. I don't think I ever put a number on it uh, predicting Erling, Erling Haaland's season. Uh, but what is it? Fifty-two in all competitions, thirty-six in the Premier League. Every debut season record smashed. I mean, even I don't think he could have even predicted it. You know, this is we're li- we're living in a kind of wonderland with Erling Haaland, mm. however long it lasts. Um, a wonder Haaland, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> um, the guy's just been ridiculous, and you know, seeing him immediately in the West Ham game, first game of the season, everyone's having a great time, and he just puts away. You know, he, he kind of cures the two things that have haunted City for years: one on ones and penalties. Mm. Did it in one game. I think every <laughs> City fan walked away from that game knowing that we're going to have a fun season, regardless of what happened with him. And I think we've all been proven right, really. Adam, what did you make of those sort of first early glimpses of, of Haaland? Let's sort of say before the, um, what would it have been, August international break? I think th- this season started a little bit earlier. So there was about four or five games before that international break. And I think he, he went into it on maybe four or five goals. Obviously, he got the, the two against West Ham. Funnily enough, he didn't score against Bournemouth at home. Scott Parker's Bournemouth. He then went on and in the next game, I think it was, got one against Newcastle, a hat-trick against Crystal Palace before that um, international break came around and you know similar sort of question did you expect him to go on and be this sort of this as central to City success as he has been or were you still thinking like okay fair enough he started well but by the time defenders sort of get to grips with him a little bit because I, I remember watching the games and even in this even from this the terrace issue were thinking gee he, he looks so big like he, he was an imposing figure obviously six foot four or whatever he is and it felt like the defenders felt like that in those early matches. I remember that one of the goals against Crystal Palace, he, I want to say Anderson just sort of like swats him to one side and, and finishes finishes well. What were your sort of early thoughts on this this wonderful, magical Nordic creature that had sort of just spawned into the City attack? Well, they probably changed a few times from that West Ham game until the international break because I think when you look back at, at the opening day at West Ham, we probably thought that we saw the goal we're going to see on repeat throughout the whole season. Mm. Kevin De Bruyne, a ball in behind, Erling Haaland, loads of space to run into, the kind of quintessential goal that we saw him score at Dortmund and and at Salzburg a ton. Um, But we didn't really ever see that again, maybe once or twice, but we rarely saw that goal ever play out again. And um, I think people have to kind of remember that, yeah, he was scoring loads of goals in in August and September, Mm. but it was a period in which he wasn't scoring goals because of a system that was built to get him chances. It, it, it very much felt like that first month or so was stick him right into the way we've been playing and see how it works. And yeah, he scored a ton ton of goals because he's got that ability to be in the right place in the box. But it wasn't really until almost the latter half of the season in which it felt like this system was geared towards getting the best out of him. Um, so I think that that opening month or two was just kind of, it was just all about him being a phenomenal individual player that he could, he could always be in the right place in the box. And and obviously he scored boatloads of goals, but there was always that kind of thing in the back of our minds that was like, if they figure out how to make this system to be about him, it's Mm going to be really scary. And I think we saw that in the back half of the season when it finally kind of all came together. 
I actually did him a disservice. He got nine Premier League goals before the international break. He was on double figures by the uh, the first week of September. It, it, it's crazy, isn't it? I know we will move away from Erling Haaland, but it, it seems he's played such a, a pivotal role in this season, Ali. But going back to it and, and properly comprehending the numbers he was putting up is, is astonishing, isn't it? You know, you'd expect Erling Haaland, at least I expected him to come in and, and I didn't think he'd be a flop like some player, some pundits were suggesting. I didn't think, you know, aka Rory Jennings, he'd have only got 15 goals. That would have been a good season for him. I expected him to get around the 20 mark. I think I actually said in one of the, on the, one of my very, very uh, numerous bad predictions before the season started that Alvarez would score a similar amount of goals, or at least, you know, maybe challenge him for City's top scorer. Alvarez getting 15 so far is, you know, pretty much fair enough on my part for saying that. I just didn't expect Erling Haaland to go to 50. But, it, it you know, the numbers he was putting up were crazy. And I, and I, I think it's one of them things like, until he slows down doing this, we won't properly appreciate just how impressive it was. No, not at all. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, you look at how City have been the last few months as the team have got better and better and we've got into this rate and, you know, we got into the title race and then eventually won it, obviously. It became sort of normal. Every You know, people were saying about him after a few weeks, I've ran out of words to describe him. Uh, I think I think all three of us and everyone who's ever contributed <laughs> to this podcast has said that at some point about him. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's become so normalised about what we're seeing. And then you see people say, oh, Harry Kane, you know, compares to him or, you know, Mo Salah or whoever, they don't. <laughs> they just they just simply don't because he's a freak of nature. It's 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 an it's he's engineered mm. to score goals no matter what. And um all the criticism that he got, oh, he wouldn't fit city system working in smaller spaces, you need space to run in behind. He, uh, he he can't link up play. He's just proven them all wrong. You know, over sixty goal contributions in your debut season in the Premier League, <laughs> the toughest league to do something like that. Um, you know, it really is two it's fingers. Wild. Yeah, it's it's two fingers up to the pundits and and all and all the commentators and everyone on Twitter. And I just don't think we should ever forget how not normal this is. You know, we 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 can't because even even if he has a season next year and he scores, say, what. 25 30 league goals only still an amazing season um but yeah i could i could only see a world in which he gets better and better for city um mm. you know he's only what 22 23 he's so young he's got so much left to develop in his game um the thought of that is terrifying if you're not manchester city <laughs> frankly <laughs> quickly then adam final word has harry kane had a better season than erling harland no, I don't know why uh, anyone would suggest <laughs> such a thing. He doesn't have the trophies to show it or better goal-scoring statistics. If you had, if he had one of those two things, then maybe we could start to make an argument. But um, mm. Holland has the individual awards, the team awards, and uh, and the goal-scoring numbers. So no, it's a ridiculous comparison to make. Obviously, at that time, you know, looking back at the results, it, it shocked me a little bit just how strong City were in that first part of the season. Because obviously, we'll get to the the, the lows, and they the, the were pretty considerable lows as well. But um, one of the one of the main talking points, Ollie, from the first part of the campaign was obviously Arsenal, who had emerged from the summer, having had a re- you know, sorry, going back to last season, just missing out on top four. They had a really good summer transfer window. They looked like they had a, a balanced side. Mikel Arteta, obviously, a young, fresh manager, young, fresh players. 
looking at uh, sort of their their start and their sort of position as an early contender, a lot of people said it wouldn't last, and well, quite frankly, it didn't because we know City ended up as as league winners. But did it last longer than you thought? You know, back in those sort of uh, halcyon days of the early campaign, were you thinking, all right, by Christmas this would have fallen off and City would have taken full control, or? Secretly somewhere, did you think, yes, okay, they are genuine title contenders and until they drop off, nobody can write them off? I don't think I rated them as genuine title contenders until about February. Um, I was just, <laughs> I just I just kept waiting for, for them to drop off. Um, they really did just jump into that kind of blank space left by Liverpool, left by Chelsea, left by Spurs somewhat as well. You know, these teams who've just been dire all season, Arsenal just vacated it and jumped right in. Um they were brilliant in the first half of the season. What, 50 points from 19 games? That's not to be, you know, sniggered at at all. They were absolutely phenomenal. Um, playing, you know, an almost kind of Man City apprentice style. And it's no surprise that, you know, the the, the purchases of Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Zinchenko led them to play like Manchester City. You know, Arteta, for a lot of his career at Arsenal beforehand, before uh, this season just finished, he was trying not to be Guardiola. He was doing different things. He was... But, Ultimately, he comes in, he buys two players from us, and he and you can see the similarities, you know. In the two, and in the two games, the kind of him not being Guardiola was exposed against us. Um, but you know, Arsenal just kept it going for as long for as long as they could, and you know, all all, all their players had to do was stay fit at one point, and um, that partly that's one of the reasons why they fell off. Uh, the loss of William mm. Saliba, the loss of Zinchenko right at the end. Uh, Saka's form you know, going down the toilet a little bit in the in the tough in the tough kind of March April May, um, but they get but they gave us a good fight at points. You know they 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 kind of gave City that kick up the ass to you know get the season going um, mm. when after the World Cup and after a few dreadful months, but um, they had a brilliant campaign. I, I think any Arsenal fan who's disappointed about missing out of league title should just remember where they were at the start of this season mm. no one predicted they get 50 points in 19 games nobody had them second and nobody had them taking the title race until may I don't, if anyone even had them in a title race i certainly didn't as i said i didn't rate them as contenders mm. until you know february when it looked like city were just <laughs> giving up and arsenal were going to run away with it and very thankfully it didn't yeah, I think it, from an Arsenal point of view, if you were to flip the season from back to front and they'd sort of had that wobble at the start and then they were looking like they were going to drop off, blah, blah, blah. But then they went on that magical run and sort of eke themselves in behind City and finished second. Any any Arsenal fan would have taken that. I think the issue obviously being um, the fact that they started so well and dropped off and obviously that's football, it happens. It made me laugh actually on the way back from Brentford. There was a, an Arsenal fan um, in the train station and he stopped one of the Brentford fans and said, oh, you know, what score was the City game today? And he said, uh, the Brentford fan obviously said it was 1-0 to Brentford and, and this Arsenal fan, a, a genuine quote went, you are fucking joking me. He was furious because his team in the end had missed out on five points. Those points obviously being the two games against City. But Adam, what, what was it a perfect storm, like Ollie says, of Liverpool dropping off massively, Chelsea having a terrible year, Man United in transition, even Spurs, obviously, their clown show this season. Was it a perfect storm of those teams not being there that allowed Arsenal to really sort of take a control of the league? And obviously City not being at the best for a, for a number of months. 
or were there was a genuine genuine credence in them being you know superb team? I know I said when they were top of the table, if they go on and, and win the game, this was before the um, the recent drop off and the recent results. I said it'd be one of the best title wins ever. You know, young team, young manager playing exciting football. Obviously, they didn't have the energy to do so. So that's my opinion. But do you, do you think it was a case of every other team having an off season, Bar City, and um, them just sort of waltzing the way through, or was there a little bit more to it? Not necessarily, because. I think there was plenty of teams that kind of took the place of the normal big boys who would be a tough scalp to claim. You know, you look at Brighton, Brentford, there were there were plenty of clubs that kind of filled in those holes and and were really, really tough teams to play against. Um mm-hmm. I think there was absolute credence in in it being, you know, a potential phenomenal title run for Arsenal. And and yes, they dropped off, but you have to remember you know, leading into the World Cup and shortly after the World Cup, they were phenomenal. I mean, they were, mm. they looked unbeatable. Um, and it, it just fell off when it mattered. And I don't think you can necessarily blame them for that. Like you said, they're a young team. Um, but this is kind of normal every year. There's always a couple of the big boys that are, that are having an off year. And yeah, maybe there was a few more than normal this year. Um, but there, like I said, there was teams that kind of filled those those gaps, like Brighton and Brentford and Fulham for a point, and Villa towards the end of the season. So, no, I don't think it's necessarily of a case that they they were somewhere they didn't belong or mm. that they didn't deserve to be. Because I think they absolutely did. They picked up the points when it mattered, and, and all you can do is to win the, win the games in front of you. Um, and I think there's every reason to believe that if they add a bit more steel, a bit more mental toughness, and maybe learn from their experiences of this year. There's there's no reason to say that Arsenal won't be back fighting for the same things next year. I'll stick with you then, Adam. And, and I want to speak about um, a particular game, obviously, the, being the Manchester derby, 6-3 win for City. But it was something that happened in that game that, that was a negative. Um, not Anthony Martial scoring twice and Anthony scoring from outside the box, which was a massive negative, but Kyle Walker getting injured. And how important do you think that was in the long run, not only to City's sort of uh, downfall in the middle part of the season, but more importantly, the fact that it led to that free at the back system. And, and we, on record, you have said, if City continue playing this free at the back system, you're going to gouge your eyes out on camera. You have backed that up by saying, obviously, the type of the free at the back system they were playing has switched massively from that sort of John Stones trying to play right back, as opposed to John Stones actually doing what John Stones does well. But, do you think City win the title with Kyle Walker there? Because I know Ollie Kirsch mentioned it yesterday, the fact that Kyle Walker started the season, he was obviously playing an inverted role and comments from Pep Guardiola in recent weeks said that he just cannot do it. You know, that is not his game. Fair enough, he's a he's, a, he's an experienced pro. We know what he can do well. But do you think if Kyle Walker hadn't got injured, Pep persisted with this sort of trying to invert him? Would it one day, would he have stumbled across the free at the back? Or did it take that for him to have to sort of do what he does best, sort of rejigger a system, stick a, a centre half out at right back or, you know, find the best left back in the world from someone who's never played there before? Was it was that important in that sense? I think it, it, it very much was a watershed moment for the season. Like you said, not only because it, it it led to in the short term future, it led to what was one of the uglier kind of two or three months that we've seen under Pep. But then ultimately in the long term future, it led to this system that we now see the kind of three, two, four, one with an inverted center back stepping into midfield and playing four center backs and, and kind of being a bit more solid and, and hard to break down. 
But it has to be mentioned that leading up to that Manchester Derby, City were in scintillating form. And mm. and there were those few late goals from United, but that easily could have been one of the great Manchester Derby thrashings on par with the 6-1 in, in 2012. Mm. Um, you know, leading into that game, they had just beaten Sevilla 4-0. Um, there was the game against Dortmund with the, the John Stone screamer and the the Holland flying back heel. After that, after the the derby, they go on and beat Copenhagen five Copenhagen five nil. They beat Southampton four nil. So they were in fantastic form. I think the watershed moment of Kyle Walker's injury really came at Anfield, which was a couple weeks later, and that was when we first, really first saw that that iteration of three at the back, and you had Manuel Akanji picking up the ball in the widest position or John <sighs> Stones picking me. up the ball in, in the me. widest positions. And so, yeah, I, I, I absolutely at one point, you know, was, was talking about how I'd rather eat, you know, needles for breakfast than watch city play <laughs> any more football. But I, I had good reason to say that at the time. And luckily and thankfully Pep sorted it out and, and kind of found something that worked. Maybe you listens to this show. Maybe amongst his Twitter burner account, he's also got a Spotify account listening to this. But um, Ollie, quickly before we, we break for part two, and it was a big break as well around wintertime, the World Cup. And sort of City had a few dodgy results here and there leading up to it, but there wasn't really sort of any real cause for concern. Obviously, the final game before the World Cup being the Brentford one and, and going back to it. Yes, it was a poor performance, but when half your team's going to be flying out to Qatar in a matter of days, it felt like everyone was doing anything they can but sort of get injured. And then obviously you've got Ivan Tony, who'd just been snubbed from the World Cup squad, putting on a masterclass, doing the shushing celebration. And what quickly, one of my moments of the season, Charlie Gordon predicting Ivan Tony would score a brace and do the shushing celebration, and he did. Um, but what sort of impact do you think that World Cup break had on the season? And and do you think it ended up helping City? I know Pep Guardiola spoke in an interview last week, it was um, just before the Chelsea game, about how it was great to have that mid-season break and sort of recharge the batteries, go away, see the family, because it was a big chunk of time. I think it was about six weeks they were off. Um, and obviously then he had, he, had his, he had his ideas, he was putting them down on paper and trying to, trying to come up with a blue a blueprint but do you think it ultimately helped City do you think it hindered them at the time would it have been better if they'd gone through or you know for me I think actually we probably would have ended up with a, a lot more injuries was it not for that break in the middle of the season well I think any break in which Pep Guardiola signs a contract extension is a good one for Manchester good City um, I mean for me I look, at, I look at the World Cup break in kind of one of two ways one of the games before it I think was one of the watershed moments of the season which was Rico Lewis scoring his first goal against Sevilla because I think if he hadn't scored that and kind of launched himself and had those, you know, I think I think I think he had another start before the World Cup as well. Um, for for me, Rico Lewis is is the reason we got out of the woods in that kind of January February period. Uh, so if he never had those starts before the World Cup and then had six weeks to you know take a bit of time off and then go work with Pep pretty much on his own, um, really um, in that kind of pre in that mini training camp they did. Um, God knows what this season would have ended up. And everyone said it in all the kind of end of season articles about how Manchester City won the title. It's, it's Rico Lewis performing that inverted role, albeit from right back, unlike John Stones, who, did, who started mm. doing it from centre back. Uh, but it gave Stones time to learn that role, essentially. And, you know, because Rico's learned it since he was, you know, a, a kid, a tiny kid um, in the City Academy. So he was used to it and, you know, trusted against Leeds, trusted against Tottenham, all these big games. 
um, and he just shone. And I think without that, without that break, giving everyone time to recharge, giving Carl Walker time to go away and play with England, get some minutes in his legs after three months out, all these little things, you know, Phil Foden not starting, putting a bit of fire in his belly, hasn't obviously mm. worked out fully for him this season. But, he, you know, just giving players time to recharge and, you know, experience different things. It was, I think it was a huge help. I think if without it, I can't see City winning the league because it wouldn't have given Pep time to go and squirrel away in Abu Dhabi or Barcelona or wherever he was and, you know, mull over how to, you know, fix Manchester City because we hadn't been playing well for weeks beforehand. Mm. We've been playing yeah. pretty dull, but getting the results, you know, I think of the Fulham game where it took a last minute penalty. I think of the Brentford game in itself, you know, there's a multitude of reasons why that game didn't work out, but you know, there was a lot of bad performances around that time and, you know, the break came at a really opportune time for City and probably helped launch our title bid, uh, even if it took a few months afterward. And that's a good time for us to take a break. Join us momentarily. Don't go anywhere. This episode of the City Report podcast is sponsored by Discount Dragon. Just like Johnny Stones, we know that bargains get the blues excited and you can find all of the best brands at better value over on Discount Dragon. If you're a new customer, you'll even be able to grab yourself an extra £5 off any order that you place. So get over to Discount Dragon as quick as you can. UK only, terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you haven't already, please hit follow, hit subscribe. This will be the place you want to be listening to all your Manchester City content in the coming weeks. Um, Adam, straight back into it then, because that post-World Cup period probably, in fact, no, it was the lowest part of the season for City. Obviously, um, came back against Leeds, like a really composed performance. Jack Grealish shining in the second half, but then a couple of days later, draw at home to Everton on, uh, on New Year's Eve go on to lose against United, obviously in horrible, horrible fashion, but still a defeat. Then obviously there was the uh, the now infamous Southampton League Cup quarterfinal defeat where Nathan Jones looks like, should things go to plan for City in the coming weeks, could be the man who stops Pep Guardiola winning the uh, the quadruple, which would be hilarious and and proper, proper Barclays. But um, how low did that period feel and and I mean I, I didn't see a turnaround to be honest I thought that was the, the sort of the lowest ebb in sort of since 2019-20 really and it says a lot doesn't it the fact that City are now on for a treble and how uh, how blessed we've been but in terms of you know the actual performances they were dire we did a an episode you and I actually just you and I um, after the Southampton League Cup game and, and it was titled what the fuck is going on at Manchester City it felt like a crisis was on the hands and by all accounts given the reports it was it was yeah i think people can't forget about the fact that alongside the you know kind of downturn in results and performances you had everything going on off the pitch with Cancelo and Laporte and all the talk of of the sad faces crew and and all all the issues kind of on the training ground um it certainly was a low point and, and i don't really ever remember feeling like it was 1920 in the sense that City were going to potentially finish the season, you know, 20 to 25 points behind at the time it was Arsenal. But it, it was this this weird situation in which City were getting bailed out a ton by individual moments because they have mm-hmm. loads of players that can have individual moments. I think back to 
one of the the lowest moments in that period was Chelsea away in the league. And City won that game 1-0. And it was a phenomenal goal. It was you may remember Jack Grealish sliding the ball across the box to Riyad Mahrez and unbelievable scenes in the away end and blah 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 blah. But I remember coming on the podcast after that and and thinking if they play like that every week, they're not going to get bailed out often enough. And that was mm-hmm. when you had I think it was a, a back five of Cancelo on the far right and Walker kind of tied to him by a dog leash somehow. They were they were stuck to each other like there was gum in between them. And it just looked painful. And it looked like mm. at the time Pep had absolutely no idea what to do with the players that he had on offer. He had no idea what to do. Yeah. Um, obviously, he figured out and, and, and everything turned out quite swell in the end and can get sweller. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite a low moment, and it, it, like I said, it wasn't necessarily like we're playing well and not picking up results or anything like that. It was just I'm taking no joy from watching this. It's mm. painful to watch all this talent on the pitch, and I think one of the hardest parts about it was we were playing cup games at the time and playing with a bit more freedom, a bit more of an attacking lineup. You think about that Chelsea game I mentioned. Only a few days later, we had Chelsea at the Etihad in the FA Cup and ripped them to shreds. And Alvarez started, and I think maybe even Sergio Gomez started. And it was, you know, bombing fullbacks, kind of what we were used to with City. And so mm. we were we were seeing in the, in the midweeks what this team could potentially play like. And then back at the weekend in the league, we'd get Holland and De Bruyne and all these players back on the pitch, and it would just be stale. Um, so yeah, it's. I said this on the on the show immediately after we won the league that I don't remember a season in which Pep had to figure out so much on the fly and he figured it out yeah. so well. But I, none of these title wins in the past, other than maybe the COVID season in which we kind of saw the birth of City's uh, false nine system, but I don't remember Pep having to figure out things like this on the fly and figure out how to get a a big tall striker who doesn't have the best link up play into the team and and all that kind of stuff. So for me it's one of the most impressive title wins we've had solely on the fact that the low points in the season were so low. And and it just illustrates his genius really and his talent, doesn't it? And you know, Chelsea 600 odd million spent, finished 12th, Pep Guardiola, you know, considerably less spent but still money spent finishes first in the table. Um, let's accelerate things then, because I, I appreciate we're sort of running out of time a little bit. And, and two more major points I want to I want to touch on. And Ollie, the first one being the Premier League charges, because it obviously came after another one of those low points, probably the lowest point we've we've felt since um, the sort of the mad winning run, which we'll get to. Uh, defeat against Tottenham, Harry Kane goal, shock, makes him the, the all-time Spurs scorer. City still haven't scored at that stadium. But it came it came the day after that, and it, and it did feel like the world was about to collapse in on itself until the weekend where City play Aston Villa, the Etihad's absolutely bouncing. Um, and, and it's just ironic, isn't it, that it took something like that from the Premier League. We've been mulling on this for years and years and years when City looked as if they were just about to uh, sort of surrender their grip on the league and and pass it over to perhaps, a, you know, who knows what it would have done for Arsenal going forward if they'd have won the league this year. You know, Premier League champions have a bigger pull than finishing second and being back in the Champions League for the first time in five, six, seven years. So you know, potentially Arsenal could have been building the dynasty of their own. However, it, it, I just find it hilarious that the Premier League dropped those charges. City go, 
oh, fuck, do you know what? Let's go and win the title just for the sake of it. Do three in, three in a row just for the sake of it. Set up a potential treble just for the sake of it on the back of that. Yeah, I mean, when I think about what kind of inspired this title run, um, you think, obviously, of the charges and you think of João Cancelo's exit in Bad Blood, you know, bitching about his his competition in the squad. And then a couple of weeks later, the Premier League just go, here you go, have something that's really motivating and that's going to bring you all together. And it did. Um, and we, we all, we all. In, I remember Adam waking up in our group chat a few hours after us all because <laughs> of the time difference. Six hours late. Yeah, and just going, what the fuck is going on? While well, we were all planning <laughs> days out in League Two. Um, I've I've never seen anything bring a bring a whole club, you know, manager, players, fans together as much as those Premier League charges mm. did. And you know, even last weekend when we lifted. Uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before when we lifted the title, you know, Twitter was going wild, 115 charges, 115 charges, and City fans were just going, add on 100 more and we'll still beat you. You know, at the end <laughs> at the end of the day, there is a really sweet irony in seeing Richard Masters, the Premier League chief exec, handing over medals to Manchester City players as mm. they lift their third in a row. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, but, you know, that press conference from Pep Guardiola, that was the turning point, wasn't it? As soon as, soon mm. as he just, I'm not moving from my seat, we are here and just standing up for the club in a way that people above him at the club should have been doing, but in a way only mm. Pep Guardiola can. Um, I, th- I think every player who was watching that or was listening to Pep in team meetings or whatever after that, they knew they had one goal this season. It was to win the Premier League. And now look at us. We're in an FA Cup final. We're in mm. a Champions League final. And it wouldn't have happened without it. None of this would have happened without the Premier League dropping that on our doorstep. And in the two to four years when we finally get the result of it, and um, we've probably won at least one more Premier League title, maybe lifted a few <laughs> other trophies along the way. I think we're I think we'll be having mm. the last laugh regardless of what the court verdict is. Yeah, yeah. And you know, at the time I was critical of the likes of Ferran Soriano, who didn't come out and speak. But, you know, looking back at it, you're right, Ollie, it was only Guardiola who could sit there and say, I'm not moving, because you know, the, the men in suits don't really no one really cares. The opinion doesn't carry much weight. They're there to sort of do whatever they're there to do, be that legally or not. But you know, that that was that was a magical moment. And and finally then, Adam, just on this wrap, um, post-international break post-March international break I think that's where we've seen this City this is where we've really seen it and, and speak about peaking at the right moment City put out a graphic um, yesterday I think it was how long each team had been at the top of the table blah 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 and City City were at the top of the table for seven of the 38 game weeks in the Premier League season it's just remarkable Arsenal spent over 250 odd days there um, but obviously City you know peak at the right moment as we've seen them do a number of times and we can we can sort of take Arsenal's capitulation out of it because I don't think Pep or the players were to know that would happen and you can't bank on that but it ended up as 12 straight Premier League wins from the Nottingham Flourish draw in February and that's, that's just unholy, isn't it? It's, it's just completely unthinkable. You can moan about City winning the league fairly comfortably in the end, but it's ridiculous to claim there wasn't any jeopardy because, for like I said, three months on the bound, City knew any dropped points here, it is done. And to have the mentality to do that, well, you know, hands up, applaud them. We're we're unlikely to see a team like this ever again. Absolutely. And and to have the mentality to do it along with everything else that happened earlier in the season that we've already talked about, you know, seeing your, one of your teammates that 
while he may have been a bit of a prick on the on the training ground, he probably was, you know, just... <laughs> you a, said that very personally then. <laughs> you put a lot of emphasis on the B. Uh, he, he probably was a well-liked member of the team and, and you know, mm. things that, that could potentially damage the team and, and, and things like Americ Laporte not getting playing time, a guy who has been so vital to to City in the past. And, and there were all these hurdles that they had to, to overcome before going on the win streak. And there were other moments in which you think that it's not going to go your way. You mentioned that that draw against Forrest. And I think in, in the game after that for Arsenal, was that maybe the Bournemouth game where they had the late winner or the Villa game? But either way, they had a yeah. couple of stoppage time winners. And it just had the feel, even after that break, of not necessarily going City's way. And then they just kicked into gear. That that gear that we've seen them kick into a number of times under Pep. And um I remember going into that March international break thinking, oh, we, on the back of 7-0 against Leipzig, 6-0 against Burnley, um, this is a horrible time to go into this international break and lose the momentum and potentially lose players to injury. And, and we have mm-hmm. Liverpool at, on the back end of the international break. And I think that that Liverpool game was another one of those moments that was like, yeah, this team has it, especially because that was a without game without Holland. Yeah, as well. exactly, without Holland, and they ripped that Liverpool side to shreds. Who obviously had been ripped to shreds a number of times this season, but um, yeah, we've said it before. It's it's Pep. It's Pep that instills this mentality that there is no level of perfection that you can achieve that is actual perfection. If you win ten in a row, that's not enough. You need to win twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, mm-hmm. and to do this. Three seasons in a row, five and six is unbelievable, and and we have to be honest when we say we're we're never going to see the likes of it again. It's just it's not going to happen again. It may happen while Pep is still here, but the the drop off when he leaves is going to be scary. And and that mentality you speak about for these players to wake up week on week, year on year, month on month to have that same fire in their belly to keep on doing it, keep on doing it. It's, it's all down to Pep. I mean, you have to give credit to the players because they're the ones executing it, but, but it comes from the top. Yeah. And, and, and on that coming from the top, I mean, just look at how city operate in every aspect of the club, you know, this year, um, we've seen the stadium expansion, you know, finally get green lighted after years of talk about it. And it's made, and it's going to make the Etihad stadium, one of the best stadium football stadiums in Europe. You know, we've got a brand new arena. So fans can pretty much come straight out, out of a football match and go and see Harry Styles or whoever, you know, we've got the, one of the best playing squads in the world and it's probably only going to get better. We've got the best manager in the world. It, you know, City fans, when are, you, when are we going to stop and pinch ourselves? You know, this podcast has felt a pinch me pinch me moment all along because we're just thinking, God, look at us. We, you know, we were eight points behind and now we've won three in a row. You know, we've got two finals on the horizon. You know, the, you know, you talk about footballing mm. perfection and perfection is, you know, it's a dream. But, you know, this is the closest I've ever felt to a dream coming true, really, at the moment for Manchester City. Um, you know, you think about what this club yep. was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and you look at us now, it's, you know, it's a different animal. It's a behemoth of a football footballing institution that has redefined how football is not only played, but is organised in this country. It's redefined mm. how the entire pyramid looks in a way, because when you see teams like Barrow getting nicknamed Barrow Salona, that's not because of Jose Mourinho in 2004. That's not because of Arsene Wenger and Fergie in the 90s. It's because of Pep Guardiola and what he's been doing at Manchester City. So, you mm. know, it's moments like this where I think you're just going to hold your hands up and go, you know, well done, Pep. Well done, all of them. 
it's just amazing. Yeah, poetic, nicely done, and, and a nice place to finish. But before we do, quick one-word answer. Um, let's make a fool of ourselves, as always, and do a prediction before any transfers have taken place, before we know what any squads look like, before any games of next season have been played. Adam, yes or no, do City win the league again for a fourth time in the row next season? Yes. <sighs> Ollie? Get me that four, Pete, baby. <laughs> let's make it yeah i'll go I'll, I'll make it a full house i'll say yeah as well um guys that was a lot of fun um if you have listened please share it about hit follow hit subscribe this is the first of sorry a second of the week we'll be back again tomorrow where we will turn attention to the fa cup final against them lot i am not looking forward to it well i am but i'm not um i, I suppose you know what i mean until next time thank you very much we'll see you later Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.